Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. on our internet analytic here aka dreams and i'd like to welcome you to mine which i call the notorious mass effect podcast i'm your hip-hop and gaming news source with a little bit of r&b mixed in for the notorious mass effect episode 128 the main topic will be starfield because of the immense impact it's had personally on me because of a lot of similarities I've been seeing with my what I call my favorite game of all time, hence the name of the podcast, which is Mass Effect. So I've been seeing a lot of similarities between Starfield and Mass Effect, and I kind of wanted to get into it from an overall perspective. And that's why episode 128 is titled, Is Starfield the Modern Day Mass Effect? Now, with that being said, before I get into all the shameless plugs, I got to give y'all an update because, of course, at this point in time, every time I do an episode, I have to give y'all a little insight into into my life. Because let me tell you something. Side tangent. I always make some type of hot liquid, warm liquid, whatever you want to say to go down my throat. Pause so that my vocal cords are, are soothed. If that makes sense, then actually that doesn't make sense so soothing to my throat is is tea and speaking of that because y'all probably saying hey yo pause all type of stuff right now so let me just tell you something it gets even better right so with that being said um there was news that came out right and i wanted to get into this news because it's very interesting how does it correlate with what i just said previously with the warm substances it doesn't like for the most part that's just my tip to any audio creators out there just make sure to take care of your vocal cords because at the end of the day if you're a podcaster that's the the form of of um that's the form of entertainment that they're gonna get the most which is audio hopefully that makes sense anyways if it doesn't let's move on to the reason i was saying ao in the first place because this ladies and gentlemen is one of the is one of the best pieces of content I've ever seen in my life, right? And shameless plug, Analytic Dreams video on my Spotify channel to see the video elements of this podcast, of the entire podcast. So I want you to turn with me to, uh, turn with me to Twitter, right? And we're going to look at this together because, you know, sometimes I feel like I can't read in life and then other times I feel like I read very effectively. 
and this is one of those times where i was confused on which one was occurring dur during the during the duration of me reading this uh phrase so basically playstation uk tweeted out some promotion for spider-man 2 which if y'all don't know that's the entire reason i switched from xbox to playstation so this is a pretty big deal to me as far as uh the sequel to the reason i even switch console platforms um you know how people like to throw throw around the term console seller well spider-man is indeed a console seller and for this sequel of course we have venom right and i don't know who the lead marketer or pr person is for playstation in the uk's twitter account all i gotta say is that person deserves a raise because at the end of the day the amount of impressions that this tweet is getting is beyond imaginable like i can't even fathom 80.6 million views on any type of tweet so that's why i have to come across and say that this is one of the greatest pieces of content i've ever seen in my life now without further ado because y'all probably listening if y'all not looking along which you should be analytic dreams video on my spotify channel anyways let me get into the caption that has the world in a spiral right and it reads treat yourself to 19 inches of venom and more with the marvel spider-man 2 collector's edition now they're not paying me insomniac's not paying me this is not some type of uh backdoor deal where they you know pay me to promote their game at the beginning of my episode because the people who are paying me shout out to drizzly y'all like that yeah you know like that segue anyways shout out to drizzly for sponsoring the podcast for the fourth month straight i want to shout out to them as they are an alcohol delivery brand and you probably will hear my host read ads for them throughout the duration of this month because they have sponsored us once again so shout out to them and i really appreciate them supporting the podcast the way that they have with that out the way you know i had to throw that shameless promo in there let's get back into this particular piece of content right after reading that you probably don't see anything wrong with that post right well let me read it again just in case you didn't get it okay there's a reason why this is blowing up on the internet one of the most viral tweets i've ever seen in life and i'm not even being dramatic this has been out for at the time of me recording this not even 24 hours and it's already at 80.6 million views all right with that being said let's read the post one more time because we have to highlight this post because this is beyond hilarious and hysterical quote treat yourself to 19 inches of venom and more with the marvel spider-man 2 collector's edition now if you still don't know what i'm talking about then that's okay you know we just may need to uh you know switch up classes and times with different people you know what i'm saying put you in you know smaller rooms but at the end of the day let me explain it for you so basically 19 inches of venom is beyond atrocious that type of language and terminology used in a tweet post is uncalled for and to quote my man stephen a smith just straight blasphemous 
they knew what they was doing by tweeting this out but guess what i can't blame them because at the end of the day they accomplished what they set out to do which is to let people know that marvel's spider-man's 2 collector's edition is now available for pre-order so at the end of the day when you're a marketing major like myself um i believe these type of marketing strategies should be highlighted and just straight up praised because certain language used to get clicks is is uh, looked down upon in certain ways if you don't use the information correctly but technically the 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 venom statue could be 19 inches now if it comes out that the statue is 20 15 10 inches some people may be disappointed you know like as far as the inches of the venom they may be disappointed in the length that they receive because technically the tweet says right here and they can use this in the court of law it's supposed to be 19 inches of venom so if i get this venom and i, I pull out my ruler and it doesn't come out to 19 inches i'm gonna be upset <clears throat> and ladies and gentlemen that is the conclusion of my analysis of one of the greatest pieces of content I've ever seen in life. Obviously, I'm a little biased because, like I said, Spider-Man is the reason I switched over to Xbox to PlayStation. Even before that, going back to when I was a little kid crawling around, Spider-Man is my favorite fictional creation of all time. So with that being said, um, yeah, man, shout out to PlayStation UK. At the end of the day, that hey, if Venom ain't 19 inches, there's going to be some people upset. That's all I got to say. I would be. You know, I got to get... Anyways, um, so let's let's get into the show you know what i'm saying enough enough jokes you know enough jokes uh, i will give you a little insight into my personal life but i don't want to get too personal because you know i don't know y'all do support so it's like you know i feel like y'all deserve it at this point so anyways um i may save that for next episode let's just save that i think that was i think that was enough uh comedic value for the intro <laughs> so the overall subject uh well the main topic that we're getting into for episode 128 is starfield the modern day mass effect now with that being said i want y'all to look at starfield in its entirety and then look at mass effect right you can't tell me the similarities aren't there and that's why i'm gonna leave it there because of course we gotta get into the topic but before we get into episode 128 Make sure to click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and follow to keep up with my latest activities. If you want to support the show financially, click my Cash App link located towards the top of my link tree as it helps the show overall. And also, make sure to share this podcast and rate this five stars on whatever platform you listen on as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. Now, without further ado, let's get into episode 120. Eight, which we will be starting off with you gotta wait for it supporting black business as we're gonna get into dreamcon 2025 wrapped up today at the austin convention center it started on friday the black okay so first off you know you gotta follow my analytic dream spotify channel for the video element of this podcast episode of course but for the most part we're going to be getting into dreamcon 2023 and just had to throw that shameless plug in there 
just so y'all know that there's an actual video being played along with the audio. So let me rewind it and here we go again. DreamCon wrapped up today at the Austin Convention Center. It started on Friday. The black owned organization holds the event for anime fans and gamers to celebrate pop culture, comics and cosplay. Nearly 20,000 people attended DreamCon this weekend, up from 6,000 attendees in 2022. All right. And then that's when Drake started playing. So that's when we have to pause it right there. But anyways, um, so, you know, can't get no DMCA. Like uh, the lady just said in the voiceover, um, DreamCon 2023 had like 20,000 people. I heard it was even more than that. But it was like a 6,000 increase from DreamCon 2022. And the reason why that's a big deal is because John, who is a part of RDC and is the main person over the convention happenings he's like basically the person who helps her run smoothly from rdc like a lot of different people from rdc have specific uh requirements and i'm not saying requirements like it's a job but they all have their special perks like call of duty when people have their perks that's how it is in rdc and for john he's a convention person he he has the convention perks if that makes sense like he's the guy who's over the conventions and is the lead person for making sure it runs smooth now that's besides the point reason why i even played that video is because if you were unfamiliar of DreamCon, now you have a little glimpse of what it looks like what it's about and everything in that nature right so what i want to get into is how DreamCon 2025 and beyond will be in different places because as you see in the title, I have a more up-to-date article, but in this uh, caption that he put up is a $1.6 billion expansion of the, of the Austin Convention Center set to begin 2025. If y'all don't know, uh, DreamCon is set in the Austin Convention Center, which is why John, right here from RDC, uh, tweeted out that DreamCon will be homeless in 2025 and beyond. And basically he's he's being a little tongue in cheek because of course they're gonna find a new location. But you know, he 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 has to put out some type of tweet to let people know they're looking for a location for the uh future DreamCons. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is to let everybody know that in general I'm a big fan of RDC because the creativity that they bring to the internet I feel like it's unmatched as far as the versatility versatility as, as far as gaming uh lebron locker room hip-hop skits just regular halloween skits and like just the the palette that they have i feel like it's unmatched when it comes to content creation and it's one of the main reasons that i went with dreams as far as the, my name for the podcast like uh analytic dreams because of course once and one half of the inspiration is academics and the other half is rdc world which is real dreamers change the world if you didn't know so anyways uh with that being said that's the biggest thing i wanted to get into of course there's other things i want to talk about uh when it comes to the convention because a lot of things that people need to know a lot of the nitty-gritty details i guess um i don't think people care about but for those who do this is the website that i found some of the information from not all of it but if you want to read more into it the austin bulldog as you see right here is where i got some of the information as i'm highlighting the expansion this is the biggest part which uh john was referring to but anyways going off of all the information i had for it in uh 2019 uh the city council um 
approved the 1.2 billion plan to expand the austin convention center and replacing it with a lot of different facilities adding a, a exhibition halls shops restaurants and pedestrian promenade so basically a lot of different stuff for entertainment shopping purposes and it's gonna it's gonna take up a lot of uh time and that's why they're having to move in 2025 um, it's set to begin in 2025. Of course, there's no like specific month. They just say 2025. And then they say it's fully funded by the convention center's revenues and the uh, municipal hotel occupancy tax. I have no idea what that means. Hold on, let me look that up. What does that even mean? Municipal hotel occupancy tax. That sounds like something a politician uses every single day in a in a uh, in a debate so let me let me bring this up because what is this what in the what in the joe what in the sleepy joe is this i gotta i gotta figure it out all right is a tax imposed by local government on the cost of renting a hotel room the tax is typically used to fund tourism promotion and other activities that benefit the local economy oh, okay that makes sense so basically the government charges y'all and once they make a enough money from y'all, they make it seem like a donation and expand y'all premises. Is that how it works? Like once y'all pay enough taxes, we'll upgrade y'all surroundings. That's what it sounds like to me. So anyways, that's what they're doing to the Austin Convention Center. Uh, set to start in 2025 and not to be completed till goodness, 2029. Oh, no wonder he put this tweet up. Once again, let me go back to this man's tweet. No wonder he put this tweet up. They ain't say that part. They said it was going to start in 2025. They ain't say it was going to end when we all dead and gone. This is this is ridiculous. Yeah, so uh, honestly, DreamCon may never be back at the, the Austin Convention Center because 2029, I know a lot of people's like, man, that's not a long time. But when you're when you're scaling or scaling in a way that DreamCon is going from DreamCon 2022 to a certain number and then um increasing that that number of attendees by six thousand for a dreamcon 2023 well not 23 was it 23 yeah it was 23 i believe there's certain growing pains that comes with that which is why the whole canceled dreamcon was even a thing by some of the save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. attendees which you know was beyond out of bounds but you know people are going to do what they what they uh want for clout so with that being said i feel like the new venue they go to if they end up having less growing play, growing uh, pains they may they may end up actually staying there so basically i say all that to say this 2025 to 2029 is way too much time for uh, DreamCon not to find an actual place that can accommodate all the people that they're bringing because what I heard was some of the orderly uh, uh, what, what's it called the the pro the way that you have <clears throat> people come in through systems and websites was not uh, fully functional 
if that makes sense. The website wasn't fully functional. The different tiers that they had, uh, a lot of people skipping and getting into tiers they shouldn't have been in. I, I'm not definitely not downplaying the uh, conference. I don't want anybody to get that impression. I'm just talking about the pros and cons. Uh, the pros is that you see some of the biggest entertainers in the black community at one conference. And it's a very, very, um, from what I've seen, a very uplifting and positive event that shows that our people can come to come together and have such a immense impact on the internet. But, well, no. The conference shows that our people can have immense impact on the internet and also come together for one specific event, which is DreamCon, and not feel like and not feel slighted in any way. Like AMP showing up to DreamCon is a big deal because everybody knows that they will prefer not speaking like of black people, maybe even black people, but RDC and AMP, they will want them to actually beef because that's what everybody loves. I mean, I cover hip hop for uh, 24-7. That's what everybody is more engagement to to feud and beef in our entertainment field, right? So I'm so glad that the top of the top, as far as the internet um, influencers come together like this in an event called DreamCon, because it's like uh, um, a legendary idea brought to life and brought into fruition. So the whole thing when it comes to them moving and even some of the obstacles that they've uh, garnered from growing pains and, and doubling tripling their attendees each and every year i think you know it's going to work out for the best because um with john being the main manager of dreamcon i feel like when you get into a, a certain space that you know this many people at least is going to show up you can start like setting up some real type performances and not saying they didn't have it last year but i'm just saying like once you like 20 plus thousand for a conference like that that is pretty insane so um ex i expect a, a a lot more spot not even sponsored but just like a lot more uh grander uh, appearances and just entertainers to pop up if that makes sense because you know everybody's kind of like sheep like if they see something that's popular they're gonna flock to it so with dreamcon pulling the crowd that they did this year next dreamcon i feel like it's just gonna be 10 times better and who knows you may see the best of the like you may see the top of the top show up like i wouldn't be surprised if j cole mess around and shows up and i know a lot of people are gonna kill me and they're gonna be like what you mean j cole but if you know rdc world i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility to have a person like j cole pop up at DreamCon, seeing that they the crowd that they just pulled uh this year but anyways maybe that's just wishful thinking because me personally i i do want to go to uh a DreamCon conference in the near future i may go to the next one it depends when they put it up because i heard they sell out and like the like and like the same hour they put up the ticket so i'm like i'm i may have to try to keep my eye on it if i want to go uh this this next year but i do really want to end up attending dream dream con at some point because i feel like that's just one of the events that's that's for us created by us and i think that let alone should just deserves all of our, all of our support and of course the the huge resume that rdc has and, and the longevity that they've had i mean i feel like that that 
garners your trust in itself so uh you know it ain't no fire festival you know what i mean <laughs> you know you see how that turned out DreamCon's actual real event bringing out our people so anyways i ain't want to spend on i ain't gonna spend too much time on this uh basically just want to inform all, all the rdc fans the sun bros fans the amp fans lean cuisine um Berlizzi, all the different fans that uh dreamcon will be in a different location obviously if it's dreamcon you'll probably be showing up anyway but if you want a little bit more insight and detail on why dreamcon is moving to a different location well here you have it so anyways uh click my link tree in my bio let me know one of my social medias what do you think about dreamcon moving to a new location because of the austin convention center being uh expanded in a project set to begin in 2025 to uh 2029 and also what city do you think DreamCon should be hosted in next i think i have finally cracked the code because for the longest if you've heard my review of burner boy burner boys i told them notorious mass effect if you look that up so you can see that what i said in the past is the same thing i'm saying now burner boy when it comes to sales in the united states isn't as big as his media will, will lead you to believe simply because for certification on the u.s charts you have to have a certain number of streams in the states right of course, Burner Boy is an overseas act, a humongous overseas act. But in the States, people like to compare him to the biggest artist in the in, in the world when, in fact, that's just not true. Like in his own field, which is Nigeria, he is running the charts. Like his whole album is top 15. So then you, you graduate from that field to the next one, right? And that's why I feel like they're trying to shine the spotlight because as you see on my screen right now, shameless plug the analytic dreams video for this entire episode, of course, burn the boy sold 21,000 first week with his album. I told them now you look at the United States charts. I look at the top 50 burn the boys nowhere to be found. And he just released a whole new album. So where is the exorbitant amount of fans that Burner Boy has if he's only doing 21,000 first week? Well, that's where the overseas part comes in because since he's an overseas act, his numbers in the States aren't going to be as strong, but he still has a lot of listeners like on spotify which is one of the dsps he has 19.8 monthly listeners of course the most successful track off of his album from what i can see is a track with dave titled cheat on me and then the other track city boys so russ which is why i have this up on the screen right now and is a rapper russ the rapper y'all should probably know who that is <laughs> he commented and said if Burner Boy is doing 21,000 in America and selling out arenas in America as well, how come artists who sell more than that in America aren't doing arenas in America? 
take a wild guess. Now, United States sales are only accounted for on the U.S. charts, right? As far as uh, how much you stream. So getting on the state's charts is going to be a little harder because the people who own, and this is the thing, the people who own the DSPs and the people who own the RIAA certification is the same people. So when you're looking at Billboard, when you're looking at, uh, what's it called, Illumination, when you're looking at a lot of these things that's, that's giving you the numbers and they're owned by the same person that's having the, the platforms that has the uh, the music, it's like this this uh, whole inner, this whole music space could be seen as fraudulent. You know how a lot of people, as, as far as NFL fans, are like, hey, the NFL is scripted because of them seeing plays that's just completely, you know, outlandish and they can never, you know, fathom in like a million years, but it actually is happening right before them. Well, music is actually scripted. <laughs> it's actually stuff you can fabricate to the point where a lot of people will look at that fabrication and follow like sheep. And then when they see somebody else not selling as much, but they're selling out arenas, AKA a burner boy, they're completely confused because demographics matter, uh, geographics matter. Um, and that's not all taken into account when you're looking at the charts of the United States. Now, if I've lost you in general, I like to cover the business aspect of why people put out music. So I get into a lot of the nerdy aspects of why these certain artists are looked at or perceived in a certain way. So whenever I get into numbers talk, certification talk, I may lose a couple people because, you know, some people, which is no, no, you know, no shame on you. Some people just like listening to music for entertainment. There's nothing like one in the world is wrong with one to listen to music just for fun, right? So this is for the fan of music that wants to hear more of the details behind that goes on behind the scenes. Despite the mixed reactions to his sales of going of having 21,000 first week sales in the United States, Burner Boy is still one of the biggest artists, one of the biggest artists in the world. And he's still on his rise to fame because obviously he has work to do in the States, but I brought this up. So a lot of people were focusing on his UK charts, right? And it was saying how his album was uh, sits at number eight on the latest UK album charts with uh, 2,541 uh, 2, sales. And talking about how he's trying to squeeze back into the top five and that's why and this is his account right not burner boys this is a burner boy fan account kind of because it literally says burner boy stats so that's why i'm saying it's a fan account so that they're really going from us to actually looking at uk so now that they know they can't really chart in the united states they're going to the next big biggest which is technically the uk so you have um him debuting uh, well, I already said this. 31 on Billboard 200 in, in America with 21,000 first week. So if you want to know where he uh, debuted as far as album, this is where he debuted. It was 31 when he put his album out. But in general, 
And you have to take it with a grain of salt because this is from a fan account. So you never know if it's legit or not. But they say it's the second African album with the highest first week sales only behind behind Burner Boy's own album, Love Demini, which sold 25,000 first week. What else? So yeah, they're really focusing. If you look at all these sites, like look at these names, Burner Boy Stats, Burner Boy Access. Like these are fan accounts highlighting certain uplifting stats from burner boy because of course they want you to see burner boy burner boy's album his latest album as a success right you don't want to look at Twenty One Thousand and think burner boy's flopping because he's not he's an overseas act and he doesn't just he doesn't stream as well in the states that he does overseas hopefully that makes sense but yeah and then they put it like burner boy access with another tweet burner boys cheat on me debuts on billboard usa uh at 33 within just within just three days of of sales tracking and when would this come out okay i'm about to say it's not on the charts anymore <laughs> but anyways so anyways um i'm not gonna spend too much time on this i just really wanted to cover the aspect of, of burner boy and just him being one of the biggest acts in overseas and just because of that a lot of people hyped him up to kind of come at him like this because like I said in my last uh, review of I Told You About Bur well, not even a review, but my first impressions of I Told You About Burner Boy, I feel like people was hyping him up to a, to a level that he could not reach because in the States, he is not that big. Overseas, he is. And a lot of people don't get the correlation, but the biggest way I can quantify it is, what's his name? Lionel Messi, overseas, is bigger than in the states i know a lot of people say he's like the goat and stuff so that may be the worst comparison in the world but overseas he's just bigger in stature than he is in the states of course we adore and revere land leonel messi but overseas he's like he's he's on a different level so um that's why i compare it to and um that may not be the best comparison but just just taking into account the perception of of the different states when it comes to certain people and that's how burner boy is when he's overseas he's he's, he's definitely um revered more than he is in the states i mean as you can see with the first week numbers right here but i don't want to keep beating a dead horse all you need to know is when it comes to the united states burner boy has some work to do and a lot of people just gotta stop propping this man up as he's you know outsell like one of the crazy and this is what i'm gonna end off on one of the craziest things i seen was and i even had a joke about this because i was like this can't be what people think people thought drake pushed back for all the dogs because burner boy was dropping and that ladies and gentlemen should show you the disparity between overseas knowledge and united states knowledge because these listeners are beyond lost if they think that drake was dodging burner boy's album with for all the dogs it's, it's actually kind of insane so anyways hopefully that made sense to y'all of course it's kind of confusing when you get into overseas and united states uh talk because certain uh certifications when it comes to riaa is uh you have to have a certain number of streams in the u.s and a certain number of streams overseas but they only count u.s streams so you have to have u.s street streams to get certain um gold platinum and diamond certification so don't matter how many overseas streams you have you have to have a certain number of streams in the states and um you know burner boys is not at that level yet but maybe one day he will achieve 
um that feat and you know i i, I definitely think he can reach that level i just feel like a lot of people um jumping the gun when it comes to burner boy's popularity but anyways uh click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about my overseas versus the united states streams com uh conversation is there any questions you have about this whole situation where it comes to first week sales in the states versus first week sales overseas and if there are make sure to click my link tree in my bio message me on one of my social medias and tell me what your biggest question is when it comes to burner boy and him only selling 21,000 first week in the united states now what do these two artists have in common more specifically i'm talking about and hopefully i don't butcher his name but chinito pacas and champagne and we're gonna leave it at that so aka drake of course the goat i mean the leader the mascot of the hip-hop genre and then we have chinito pacas part of the latin music community right i've covered a plethora of latin musicians when it comes to uh grupo frontera, frontera uh peso pluma um a whole lot of other ones bizarre and i mean of course you got bad bunny you have annual so many different musicians in the space and drake highlights chinito pacas now i'm not trying to be disrespectful i'm basically highlighting and and pinpointing the fact that drake is tapped in but if you think drake is tapped in just out of the goodness of his heart let's go down to memory lane aka charts territory which is the top global songs in the world right and if you look at it i mean you don't even have to get past number seven as carol g and peso pluma has one of the biggest tracks in the world titled colonna corvito has a track called Columbia that's number eight right after that. So not even past the top 10 and two of the top tracks in the world are by Latin musicians. Now let's keep going. We have, oh, here we go right here. Grupo Frontera and Bad Bunny, which is uh, 18 on the top global songs. Then you have Peso Pluma and Gab Gabito. I don't know who that is. But anyways, the track Lady Gaga by Peso Pluma. Now, I think that's enough to let you know that Latin musicians are currently infiltrating the music landscape and putting up some numbers when it comes to the overall field. Let's get into Chino Pacas because that's why I love to say Drake has tapped into a level that makes you respect his longevity as far as being on top because you know he earned it as I don't know if Jay-Z was ever just tapped in if Kanye was ever just tapped in, if, um, I mean, Tupac, I mean, the internet, you know, back in that day, you know, it's a little shaky. So, <laughs> I mean, the older guys, you can, you can kind of, uh, you know, justify them not being as tapped in. But nowadays with the internet accessible to everybody, I mean, even some of the peers like Jermaine and Kendrick, like Jermaine just did a, sh a song with, uh, with, uh, burner boy that sounded like he was falling asleep while recording his verse i'm like man if you don't want to cross over to another genre then don't do it this man jermaine cole giving us one of the worst performances in 2023 on an uh, afro beast artist album like nobody has a problem with that huh nobody but he want to get on other albums trying to trying to rap and switch up flows with the uh gucci main and mike will track and even that was terrible so 
he gives a, a mediocre track on the Gucci Mane feature with Mike Will, and then he gives a beyond atrocious track on a Afro musician album, and everybody just has no problem with it. They just let J. Cole slide with that one. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um, let's get back into Chino Packer. So basically, this man has 11.8 million monthly listeners, so he's not like just some underground musician. Even though you may not know of him, he definitely has a lot of fans, and in general, with this uh, particular musician, um, the reason why this is even a big deal in the first place is because Drake shouted him out. And that goes back to my point of Drake being tapped in. So Drake and Chino, who is 16-year-old, you know, rising star, so very, very young in the, in the Latin music space, met up and party with uh, each other in Miami, Florida. And then, you know, obviously them seeing those two musicians together made people believe that they was going to put out music or collaborate on music. And fans started going crazy with the excitement of the possibility of Drake and Chino, you know, collaborating. And then what else? Uh, Drake was seen dancing to Chino Packard's song El Gordo Trey El Mondo on social media further fueling speculation about collaboration and the reason why i'm even pointing this out is because i actually do think this collaboration is going to come about because if there's one thing about drake if he can find an upcoming artist in a niche field that is set to blow but nobody knows about he's going to do it keep in mind when ice spice was first blowing up and this is a new york artist so right in our background uh right in our uh backyard right Drake was one of the first people to attach himself to Ice Spice, even before Nicki. People don't remember this. Drake's eye for talent is, is unmatched. And that's not me just praising him because I think he's the GOAT. I honestly feel like the reason why he's had so much longevity in the hip-hop game is because of his eye for talent. Um, he co-signed, not co well, yeah, I mean, he flew Ice Spice out. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, he only, but, you know, honestly, looking at Ice Spice now, Seems like Drake was on the right path, but he just wasn't able to get the deal done, and Nicki was. As Drake probably tried to get Nicki to uh, try to get Ice Spice to sign under him for a couple tracks or whatever. And because if you don't know, when Drake gets an up and coming artist like a uh, black black boy JB, for example, right? Drake uh, Drake would get on um, Look Alive, uh, what that track was called, Stay Alive, Look Alive. I think it was Look Alive. I, I'm thinking I'm getting a track with Lil Baby and DJ Khaled mixed up. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the Look Alive track with, with Block Boy. But anyways, um, when he was on that track, he had like 80-90% of, of the, um, the the royalties because when uh, Block Boy JB spoke about it, he talked, and you can look this up in the Block Boy JB uh, interview, when he put Drake on the track, I mean, after that, at that point, it's basically Drake's song. Like when Drake co-signs your track, most of the proceeds and the royalties are going to go to Drake because he's the biggest artist in the world. He's giving you a, a, a he's giving you a cosign that's invaluable in the music industry. Um, if you don't know, some of the biggest musicians ever have had cosign cosigns from other giants in the game. Like I keep saying, I, I think I, this is a reoccurring point, but um, of course you have Fifty Cent with Eminem. And then you keep going down that tree, Eminem with Dr. Dre. Um, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and all of them kind of came up together, so that's a little different. But um, 
anything that Dr. Dre co-signs, of course, Jay-Z with Kanye, Kanye with a plethora of artists, and um, Drake with Lil Wayne, Nicki with Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne with Birdman. Like, you have to be um, a certain at a certain status in the game to give a significant so cosign that boosts you amongst your competition. So it's like, when you look at this and see how Drake is so tapped in, there's a reason why he has Lil Yachty at his hip everywhere he goes. Because Lil Yachty is also a young, up and coming and a pioneer for some of the SoundCloud uh, waves. Even though I like to kill Lil Yachty because I think he's just one of the worst musicians I've ever heard in life. Um, I feel like his business mind and the way that he's stylistically influenced people is something that Drake has taken notice of. N notice of, and uh, not to get off track. The reason why I'm bringing this all together is basically to highlight the point of Drake being tapped in, because he probably saw, which is a known fact at this point, that Lil Yachty uh, ghost ghost wrote uh act up by city girls that could arguably be one of the most influential songs for how women raps how, how the modern day women rap is, is structured like act up by the city girls is like the blueprint for a sexy red for, for um uh, a glorilla even though i feel like they shouldn't go or lean on that like sexualization but anyways that's besides the point act up from the city girls spurred a, a spurred a whole bunch of spin-off act up tracks if that makes sense i mean people talking about you know certain things being brown certain things be, you know you know what i'm saying and, and sexy red fans y'all exactly know what i'm saying so it's like drake saw that of course and now he has little yachty at his hip everywhere he goes i think there's a reason for that and and drake is just a very savvy guy and i feel like that's why this whole collaboration between Drake and Chino Pockets, I feel like is the actual reality and it's and probably in the tug waiting to be waiting to be released because Drake knows when certain fields are going to blow up and, and what type of influence to use on his current day music. So I believe a track with Chino and Drake's can come out. And unlike Ice Spice, I think he was actually able to get uh Chinito to I keep saying Chino, Chinito to um uh, sign over a track so that drake has you know most of the royalties because drake's not co-signed nobody that he's not getting paid for him. like you saw with bobby alhoff or whatever her name was drake that, that that's the thing with royalties right if you have most of the say or the most of the ownership over a track you have saying when to take it down when to put it up bobby put out the interview she claimed to have uh to that drake just sent it to her and then trusted her that she was gonna put it up but guess what she had to take it down because of her talking stuff about Yachty and Yachty's like Drake's right-hand man. Drake is like, I gave you this cosign. You're going to talk out about one of my best friends and you're going to go to my concert acting like you're not even entertained. How about you just take the whole interview down? And if Bobby owned that interview, you think that she wanted to take that interview down the way it was performing? Drake probably had to say so. She took it down and the rest was history. So all of those examples i was given was just to highlight how drake is tapped in drake knows which markets to impact to keep his longevity going and, and at this point it's a master class at its finest on how to market yourself because attaching yourself to a chinito uh in the same year to an ice spice um artists who at the time when he attached himself to people was like why is he doing that people literally thought drake was only trying to co-sign ice spice 
to do you know what and now look at her she's like one of the more prominent figures in women rap so yeah man uh let me see if there's anything else that's basically it um Drake, I mean, and even in the past, Drake has collaborated with uh, Latin musicians, which <laughs> the biggest, uh, pause, but uh, Bad Bunny, which the track Mia, which this man was literally, and I kid you not, this man was singing in Spanish. He was literally singing in Spanish. Listen to the track Mia by Bad Bunny and Drake. I don't even know if people know that track exists. Like, do people know that Bad Bunny and Drake have a track together? Like, I know people are getting ready for For All the Dogs track, but Drake was literally singing in Spanish. Y'all gonna stop playing with my goat, man. Y'all gonna stop playing with my goat. But anyways, uh, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Drake co-signing another Latin musician and one who was a, a young rising star in uh, Ch uh, Chinito Packers? And I think it's Chino Packers, but his his Instagram is Chinito. I don't speak Spanish, so all this like this throwing me off. Anyways, I'm trying my best. So, anyways, let me let me let me start over. Of course, uh, click my <laughs> click my link tree in my bio and let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Drake co-signing yet another Latin musician, but this time one who's more uh more in the younger field and still up and coming and Chino Pacas? And do you think a track between them will actually um come out anytime soon? There's a real conversation to be had that Taylor Swift may be top five, top three, top two, and not two when it comes to being the most impactful musician of all time. Because this is just ridiculous. At this point in time, I feel like she could do anything and it's going to sell out. If Taylor Swift wanted to announce a one-on-one -on -one basketball tournament and she was playing against every single bench player in the league, I think it would still sell out because who in the world wants to see Taylor Swift play basketball? But it will still sell out because that's the type of impact that she has because this is honestly one of the biggest things I've seen an artist do as far as flexing. Taylor Swift is set to have a concert film over her current tour which is the air the heiress tour and it's set to hit theaters in u.s and canada on october 13th yes you heard me correctly taylor swift after going on tour just said you know what let me just put out a movie and see how it does because at this point i'm running music in a way that it's never been ran before because if you look at Taylor Swift her first or second her third week sales off of remasters of her albums she's putting out old she's basically putting out old albums I know she's saying Taylor's version and that's like just to get her royalties back from Taylor uh from Scooter Braun because she bought she bought her publishing back so now that she's remixing all her old music she gets full um con uh, I forget the word. Basically, she gets um, paid fully and full from the, the music she puts out now. So she just redid her old music. So now that she owns it and it's called Taylor's version. So running the charts with 10 like decade old music, like Taylor Swift's been in the game for, for a minute. So running the game for like 10 plus years off of old music is, is insane because 
now that you're packaging this whole entire tour into a a movie that is anticipated and this is from a bunch of different sites saying that cinema owners anticipate that the film could open to a record 100 million based on brisk advanced ticket sales with the potential to gross even more domestically and this brought me back to the days ironically because what i'm about to get into this brought me back into the days of me watching the justin bieber never say never documentary because that was the first time i really seen a glimpse of what a superstar day-to-day life looked like from him waking up to him going to sleep and the biggest thing that stood out to me was when he was uh in risk of losing his voice and i thought that was insane i was like lose your voice for like I, as, a, as a kid i was like i couldn't fathom singing to the point where you lose your voice i didn't think that was possible so watching that justin bieber never said never documentary which is it was it was very um impactful i might say all right so that goes into this point taylor swift's current movie that's coming out this year is set to break the top grossing concert film at the domestic box office that was previously held by Justin Bieber's Never Say Never with 73 million. So that documentary did 73 million. This movie is set to have at least 100 million based on brisk advanced ticket sales. Now, of course, this is coming from a bunch of different theaters, but AMC came out and said that it has achieved record-breaking pre-sales of 26 million within the first 24 hours and that taylor swift's direct deal with amc theaters bypassed the traditional hollywood studio distributors and sends a message to a f- to the film industry cynic cynic i can't talk give me a second <laughs> sing i can't say it signaling yeah there we go i don't know why that was true that was so difficult for me you know, i felt like so the mayweather anyways uh signaling signaling a shift in how movies are distributed y'all better stop laughing at me i ain't gonna lie <laughs> hey, I, that stuff was that stuff was crazy man i ain't gonna lie it was a lot of syllables a lot of a lot of l's you know what i mean figuratively and literally taken by me anyways let's keep going so taylor swift basically bypassing all the you know rules set in place to put out movies and giving it directly to amc i don't think i understand how big of a flex that is that's like i know my product is going to sell so much that i don't need a middleman to to hype up my content like y'all remember when uh uh, what was her name um i can't believe i'm blanking her name the uh margaret robbie from from barbie how she talked about she went to warner and she was basically like hey she pitched it in a way that's gonna make a billion dollars and she hyped it up and she was like, you know, just trying to get the movie made, but she was telling them every anything and everything to make them green like the movie. And now look at the success, right? But anyways, before that, you know, they didn't picture this. Um, so before that, she had to hype up the movie and everything. Taylor Swift just went straight to AMC as I like, hear, put this out. And they was like, hey, I mean, it is Taylor Swift. So it's like, that's that's one of the biggest flex I've ever seen in, in by a musician. To put out your own mu- movie and to not even have a middleman, to not have to hype up any type, to not have a person be like, well, dang, are we going to lose money? Like, are we taking a risk? Like, none of that was, was even a, a mental process by the AMC um, theaters. Because, of course, the owner is not like multiple people. It's like one person. And he was probably like, 
a Taylor Swift movie is going to sell like hotcakes. Forget what the asking price is, pay them, and let's put this movie out. So anyways, um, one of the biggest things, though, is that it's one of the more perfect times to put out a movie like this, which is technically a documentary more than an actual movie where Taylor Swift is acting as a different person because she's herself in this movie. And the reason why I'm saying that is because there's strikes that's going on currently as we speak with the actors and writers causing a lot of delays on high-profile movies and TV shows. So for this concert film, that bypasses all those strike regulations because i don't even know if taylor swift is a part of that like is taylor swift part of the what is it the wga like i'll have to like, i don't know um i don't know how that works uh, it doesn't seem like it and obviously this is a documentary so i don't know if it actually qualifies as breaking the strike so with that being said taylor swift putting out this movie is is reshaping the traditional distribution model for for uh documentaries and movies to the point where i have to give the label as as one of the greatest most impactful overall just behemoths in the music landscape because this is ridiculous this type of move by a musician is unprecedented and i'd be interested to see how this plays out because Taylor Swift pulled a move that I can't think of anybody else that could do this. Like, beyond, like, uh, let me not be disrespectful, but a lot of different artists in, in the world, um, if they put out a movie direct to consumer, not, well, not, it's not direct to consumer, but direct to theaters with no middleman, uh, like a publisher or a theater. It's like a, uh, not like a publisher is a middleman cutting that out sending it directly to theaters i don't know if i ever seen a move like this and i'll be interested to see how this plays out as they said that the film was shot during the first three nights of the Eras tour stop in los angeles in august 2023 so we're going to see how that comes about and it says to release the concert film directly in theaters and i already said that part um so yeah man we're gonna see how the swifties uh reacts to this movie because i do i feel like it's gonna it's gonna put up numbers and do i think it's gonna compete with like a mario or barbie definitely not but do i think it's gonna put up like top 20 numbers as far as this year i do think so and i feel like that's even that even in itself that's a big deal you got you have to realize uh barbie and and mario those type of movies they gross like a billion dollars um I don't think Taylor Swift's getting anywhere near that. But with the projections seeming to break 100 million, then that's definitely a good starting point because uh, that's a lot of money in itself. So she's definitely going to make a splash in the movie industry. And who knows? This may lead up to a role that she currently, uh, uh, a future role that she ends up taking for uh, a bigger, more established type IP. So, uh, you know. Taylor Swift could end up in Barbie too. Who knows? I'll just play it. Let me show. So, anyways, uh, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know one of my social. Oh, also, how did I forget this? I had this written down. Everything. It's not even showing it. That's crazy. Um, there was something else. There was definitely something else I was getting into. It did not cover it at all. Oh, okay. Here it is. I found it. So, 
in other news, Taylor Swift, talking about her impact in the music field, has become the only other artist. No, no, no. She's the second artist with 100 million Spotify listeners. No, that's not right. 100 million monthly Spotify listeners. That monthly is a big deal because you can have 100 million over the course of 20 years, but in every single month <laughs> from this point forward, she uh, has 100 million monthly Spotify listeners. And in general, I just need y'all to know that that's completely insane. She's basically doing more than the United States every single month. And that's just, that's, like I said, one of the most impactful artists of all time. And of course, The Weeknd uh, was the first one because, you know, he he's just, uh, I like to call him the king of pop, which a lot of people find it very disrespectful. But, you know, that's just where I stand as far as uh, The Weeknd and Michael Jackson comparisons. Uh, you don't even want to get into a vocal comparison, but obviously everything else, you know, MJ got that. But as far as the sales and vocally, I feel like the weekend's up there. So, anyways, uh, you know the weekend was a good sport about it because let it be Drake. Like Drake was not going to celebrate this achievement. So, good thing that uh, the weekend was more of a good sport as he welcomed Taylor Swift into the club that was uh, exclusive to him because he was the only person to ever reach 100 million monthly listeners on Spotify. So basically, he took the Instagram to post a, a bunch of messages of, of uh, just congratulating Taylor Swift and showed a throwback picture of them together on their uh let me see of them performing at taylor swift's 1989 tour and then taylor swift reposted the the picture on her own story don't you love to see you know camaraderie like that instead of beefing talking directly to you aubrey graham drake out here just beefing with everybody I ain't gonna lie. I feel like he don't beef with everybody, but he be he beef with like specific people. That's like why? Like Kanye, Taylor Swift. Like I know y'all think like Drake and Taylor Swift not beefing, but y'all got y'all gotta pay attention. <laughs> so, anyways, um, what else? Um, so yeah, the weekend showed love to Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift reposted it. I think that was basically it. So yeah, at the end of the day um taylor swift had like 80 monthly 80 million monthly listeners and then shot up to 100 million don't ask me how that happened it just uh you know it just happened i guess and then um yeah join abel test fate aka the weekend as the only artist on spotify with 100 plus monthly listeners so with that being said click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias do you think that taylor swift is the most impactful musician or top three impactful musician of all time. Say it ain't so. At first, with the strike only being the actors and writers, I thought us video game connoisseurs were safe. But in a turn, a recent turn of events, SAG-AFTRA, which is the writers union, I believe, will vote on whether to authorize a strike against video game companies following the extension of their contract, which has been pending for nearly a year. So basically the writers and the actors was like, hey, these studios are not taking us serious enough, which if you look up strikes, uh, not strikes, studios start hiring for AI, notorious Mass Effect should pop up, or you can just type in studios, 
hiring AI specialists, and it should definitely pop up for my podcast. I already covered it uh, like a week or two ago. But anyways, if you want to hear more on that um, aspect of why they're not even trying to negotiate with the writers or actors, studios just out here like, hey, since they ain't trying to comply, let's just just go out and start paying people to use artificial intelligence. I was like, dang, that's crazy. So speaking on that, the union is seeking wage increases and protections against the use of artificial AI in video games. So not only is it any form of media when it comes to TV, TV shows, uh, movies, and things of that nature, writing, you know, there's like pre-production, storyboarding, all type of stuff, a, that the evolution of AI is, is infiltrating the creative space of those writers, which is in turn depriving them of a lot of jobs so now that the studios don't want to play ball with the sag aftra or the wga sag aftra have taken upon themselves to start targeting the video game members not like targeting in a bad way just like <clears throat> helping them go into strike as SAC AFTRA's last contract with video game companies negotiated in 2017 did not address key issues related to AI. Basically, all these members want to know is that, are you going to use this AI technology to replace me? And if so, we have a problem. And guess what the studios basically said? We might. We'll think about it. We'll take your concern into consideration. It basically told them that you know, they ain't gonna stop using AI. So now people are on strike. Well, not people, writers and actors are on strike for the first time in history since like the 1960s, I believe. So anyways, um, back to the current contract. So SAG-AFTRA's last contract with video game companies negotiated in 2017 did not address, address key issues related to AI, which has become a concern in the entertainment industry. So the potential strike would be the first since October 2016 when SAG-AFTRA targeted 11 companies, including divisions of Activision Blizzard, Electronic Arts. And you can look all this stuff up. So whatever I'm saying, whatever I'm saying right now, you can definitely look up. So this strike for video games will be the first since October 2016 when SAG-AFTRA targeted 11 companies such as Activision Blizzard, Electronic Arts, Take-Two, Insomniac Games, Warner Bros., and Disney. And the union is looking to secure a member-approved strike authorization before bargaining resumes on September 26th. So basically, they're trying to up the ante and show the, the studios, hey, they ain't playing around. Y'all better increase our pay or we gonna increase these uh, number of people we have striking. And that's basically where we're at. So now they're targeting the, the video game members and, and about to um, authorize them to strike. And it's all due to the concerns about the un unregulated use of AI. Obviously, a lot of people are like, it's because of streaming. Nobody's getting paid from streaming. The numbers are all over the place, which is also true. I mean, when Scarlett Hope went, <laughs> well, I almost call it something else. <laughs> when Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> I wonder if y'all caught that. That's, that's kind of funny. Uh, when Scarlett Johansson sued Disney and ended up reaching a settlement with them um, over Black Widow going like a week or two after straight to Disney Plus after it was like, so basically 
there's certain things called points or whatever i don't know i don't know everything about that whole points field and and when it comes to movies like i'll go to grace randolph beyond the trailer if you want to listen or learn about that but in general what i do know is that scarlett johansson's contract was for movies when it went to streaming it was a little not a little it was a lot of gray area to the point when scarlett johansson sued disney so now disney had to come to a settlement because of the gray area in the contract and scarlett johansson ended up winning and that was a big turning point i think when i think once scarlett johansson won people realized that hey we have a we have an actual case when it comes to this streaming royalties and how we're getting paid so um that's just my personal opinion uh, like in general you can look up the whole scarlett johansson versus disney is a real thing um obviously you can look up sap after and them initiating and authorizing the strike for video game companies or against video game companies and it's all due to un unregulated use of ai and um <clears throat> wage increases and safety provisions for performers um so yeah what else i think it's basically i don't want to spend too much time on it because it's pretty straightforward uh, for most people, I think at the end of the day, you have to get to a place where you start paying attention to these type of things because you're going to start realizing that it's going to affect your, not everyday of life, but it's going to start affecting your entertainment. You're going to wonder, why is your favorite TV show taking a two-year hiatus instead of one? And this is currently why. So now it's attacking video games, and it's unfortunate because in general, I really do enjoy video games and I think that when you get into a video game land um it's a very it's the purest form of of escapism which is like leaving what you're currently dealing with to play a video game whether it's in a good or bad way like it doesn't have to be like a bad oh i had a bad day it could be oh i had a good day let me escape into this the world of mass effect or the world of star wars like it's it's a very nice escapism when it comes to uh the video game so for it to be taken away i don't know how i feel about it obviously i'm not an actor i'm not a writer so maybe i'll feel more emotional about it if that was the case but at this point in time i don't believe that video game should be affected, but it seems like because of the studio's unwillingness to increase wages and not use uh, AI in certain ways, we, we may have a, a certain war, a civil war on our hands when it comes to um, every actor and every writer in the studios. Because if you don't know, it's just the states. So actors overseas, like one of the actors, uh, Melissa Ford off of Joe Budden, uh podcast she basically is still acting but in canada because she's part of the canada union not the united states so not all actors is just boycotting so if you see certain overseas actors going back to the country to act hey technically you know they can so <laughs> at the end of the day we're gonna see how messy this gets but it's getting pretty messy because now they're in including video game companies and as you see uh insomnia games is on the list which is a whole nother conversation in itself because they are currently giving me some of the best video game marvel content i've ever played so with uh wolverine and whatever the unknown game they're also developing uh set to come out soon that's probably gonna get delayed i definitely don't think spider-man is gonna get delayed i believe that game's been gold and gold is like when a game's ready to launch so um 
I don't think that game would get delayed at all. But Wolverine and whatever the game, whatever the future game that they're uh, working on, that's a Marvel project that they're not telling us what it is. It's um that may end up getting delayed. But anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know my, one of my social medias. What do y'all think of just Insomnia games in general and the way not that was a, that was not the question. <laughs> <laughs> my fault all right anyways let me, let me let me start over so act like you ain't hear that you ain't hear that at all right okay click my link tree in my bio and let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about sac after now targeting video game developers with their strike and if you're a gamer how do you feel about this entire situation now say it ain't so just when i thought that corporate greed cannot get any worse sony had to one-up themselves as the price to quote my man fat joe mm -mm -mm. yesterday's price is not today's price now what do i mean by that right playstation took it upon themselves to increase all of the tiers for the PlayStation subscription starting September 6, 2023. Now, I know what you're saying. Now, Dreams, you know good and well that it is way past September 6, because by the time you hear this, it's either going to be September 6 or the day after at the very, at the very least, at the earliest, if I might add. So y'all going to be like, dang, you can give me some type of warning before sony just increased all the prices for every single tier of the playstation plus subscription but let me tell you something don't blame me blame playstation because this is the first time the, the first and only time where i can say that you gotta hate the game not the player because this is ridiculous this is ridiculous playstation is out here running amok with these new price increases as the, the playstation plus essential 12 month subscription would now be 80 dollars a year so that's the 12 month right the ps plus extra 12 month subscription will rise to 135 dollars a year and the ps plus premium this is for the big ballers out there 12 month subscription will be 160 dollars a year now of course sony came out and it was like you know what the reason why we raising these prices because we can we continuously i don't even know if that's a word i think so give y'all high quality video games for y'all enjoyment and to to uh supply your your escapism and your needs for entertainment right None of y'all playing Xbox. We didn't look at the numbers. We know ain't none of y'all buying that Xbox Series X. So y'all ain't gonna leave. So we might as well just raise the prices. And I was like, well, ain't that a shame? Because Spotify's doing the same thing, increasing their monthly subscription. PlayStation doing the same thing, increasing their monthly subscription. Even Xbox. I don't even know how Stephen A says it, but I think it's the gall. I think that's how he says it. The gall of them. I don't even know if that's how you use it. I don't know. I feel like throwing that out. To to think that they could raise their subscription after one successful exclusive game in Starfield, which we are going to get to that game. 
but after, like let us not forget about redfall and, and how that fell from grace expeditiously let us not talk about all these different uh publishers that now all of a sudden can't make a good game because they already got the bag from microsoft to be exclusive so now they're putting out trash and the first time they get a hit in starfield they want to raise their subscription for their game pass and they want to take away gold it's really insane out here it's, it's kind of insane you would think we wasn't in a recession who would have thunk that during a recession all the biggest companies in the world would raise their monthly subscriptions now let that sink in all right so at the end of the day shame on playstation I know a lot of people talking about boycotting PlayStation, but let's be honest. How's that gonna happen? Y'all know 2K's coming out. I know most of y'all trying to ball with the homies. Y'all know Call of Duty's gonna come out with some other game every other six months. And y'all trying to shoot it out with the homies. FIFA and 2K, I can't, I can't, I can't run from people talking about how they the best at this game. They the best at that game. Showing me the online, my player stats. I'm like, who? Like, come on now. And the reason why I started with 2K and all the sports games is because that's the biggest uh, base when it comes to general consumers. So they're just going to look at this price hike and they're going to be, they're just going to say to themselves, well, I'm trying to shoot it out with the homies. And I'm trying to ball with the homies, but I can't do that without that multiplayer PlayStation Plus subscription. So I just got to end it with shame on you, PlayStation. Shame on you. So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. Uh, also, if, you, uh, ha- if you've looked at the video version of the podcast, just know I have that up uh, for a reason. September monthly games. That, that is what you're getting for the, for the price hike. Saints Row for, for the PS5 and PS4. Black Desert and Generation Zero. And that's for subscribing to PlayStation um, Plus. That's the free games you get. Yeah, man. Sad times, man, man. Sad times. Anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about PlayStation? And, and uh, basically, what do you think about Sony? Increasing prices for all tiers when it comes to PlayStation Plus subscription. And do you care? And if so, are you willing to boycott Sony. Now, this is the first time I've seen a game entice me enough to make me contemplate buying a second console. Now, for those of y'all that don't know, gaming is an expensive hobby. It's not a hobby for those who don't have exposable income. And I'm not saying that in a way to downplay or to ridicule somebody for gaming i'm just saying that you have to be financially literate to some point when you're playing games or you will end up going broke trying to play all these games right starfield is exclusively on xbox which we're about to play in a second this is the starfield official gameplay trailer make sure to follow my analytic dreams video podcast on spotify channel for the video elements but basically Starfield is the first game since me switching over from Xbox to PlayStation that made me think, contemplate the idea of buying the Xbox. 
simply because y'all know if y'all even if there's any, if there's one thing you should know is my love for rpg games i mean this podcast is literally called notorious mass effect which is drawing heavy inspiration from the rpg game mass effect which i hold as the the apex as the the best of the best as far as video games like as far as everything that combined into a video game mass effect is my all-time favorite so whenever i see a game like starfield scratch that itch figuratively uh, figuratively when it comes to space space adventure character customization dialogue customization different branches of stories I even play Outer Worlds. Granted, I didn't like Outer Worlds. I don't know why. I played it. I didn't like it. I thought it was kind of boring. But Starfield, on the other hand, it's like another attempt at a world to to just get and captivated in. And for me, I've always compared it to like reading because I love to read. And I feel like it has the same effect for me. It's like escaping into an imaginary world where you can let your where it uh, equips you with tools that that lets your imagination run wild some video games i feel like restricts you into having certain things that everybody goes through throughout a certain video game that's why mass effect is my favorite because you can't tell me that you've seen the same exact thing happen for a game like mass effect with every other player like one player could play this way another player could play it that way the next two players could play it the exact same, but then say something different to one character, and now the entire story is different from the other player. It's completely and, and vastly different when it comes to choices and, and how you can branch off into story trees. Why is that the... Why am I bringing that up? Uh, because I feel like Starfield is starting to become, for me personally, the modern-day Mass Effect, the more, that I, the more and more that I see. And without further ado, uh, without further ado, because I know that's a huge claim, let's get into the Starfield official gameplay trailer. Humanity has always hunted for knowledge in the unknown. The wonder is... Not that the field of stars is so vast, but that we have measured it. because we're committed to the biggest question of all. What's out there? You're part of Constellation now. Now what in the Elon Musk is this? Character customization. Oh, look, a black man. Character customization. And, you know, you got point one out every time you see it. You know, it's sparse around here. But anyways, um, creating your own character and getting into 
and captivating yourself into a world like this and enthralling in a world that just is obviously vastly different from each and every planet you go to apparently there's a bunch of planets right and obviously i'm not gonna go through this whole thing because it's three minutes um which is not too long but you know obviously i want to give my own personal uh reflections and recap of the game so basically y'all have seen enough of the game right that's why i compare it to mass effect you see you can go to space customize your character all that good stuff right then the reviews came in and i got even more enticed to buy xbox i don't know if i'm gonna do it you know as far as you know as far as buying a console for one game i can't justify that so i don't know if i can do it i would get a pc and i think that would uh help with the problem because you know pc is able to play multiple games and that's not really a part of the console war that xbox and playstation on which or which uh, xbox and playstation have which honestly i'm not <clears throat> what they call or consider a playstation pony i'm not one of those type people right i just have a playstation simply because spider-man is is exclusive to sony so that's why I have a PlayStation. As simple as that. It's not like, oh, I think PlayStation is superior or whatever. That's the reason why I have it. But Starfield being exclusive to Xbox is very interesting because once these reviews came out, I was like, oh, they may actually have a hit on their hands. That's reminding me of elements that I've received from Mass Effect. And that's all I need as a gamer. But still, buying a console for one game, I still can't justify it. But anyways, that's besides the point. So getting into the review roundup, we have... GameSpot giving it a 7 out of 10, which is not the greatest, of course. But then you get to Game Informer giving an 8.5 out of 10, IGN giving a 7 out of 10, Games Radar giving a 5 out of 5. And why are you giving, and you, you may be asking yourself, why are you giving all this hype to a game that's 70% or shooting 70% out of 100 for the field? I mean, obviously, Games Radar gave it a 5 out of 5, but um, as far as the, the highest score, I mean, uh, I think it was Game Informer. A game informer with 8.5 out of 10 but most of them is around 7 to a, to a, a 8 so what i would say is me being a huge mass effect game i'm willing to bet that i would enjoy a game like this more than i would a, a 10 out of 10 game that's like a a, a card-based turn game like no disrespect to uh what's it called Baldur's gate 3 but it's just not my cup of tea obviously i can acknowledge that it's a phenomenal game from what i've seen and it's been reviewed phenomenally but what i would say is rpg games is my is my um favorite playground to be in because there's so much stuff you can customize and make of your own instead of a car based turn game which of course you can customize and stuff like you can in marvel midnight suns which is the last turn-based card game i played well yeah turn-based uh, card game i played but in general, I do like to be able to shoot it out. Like I do like to have uh, customization RPG elements while also having like Call of Duty aspects when I'm shooting it out in the field, you know? So the turn-based thing turns me off. So a Starfield game getting a seven out of 10 is still very impactful for me because I would love to dive into a world like Starfield and see what the game's about, right? And just knowing it's not a flat out terrible, a terrible game and that it's running, I've seen some issues, but it says it's running for the most part pretty, um, it's optimized for the most part for my gamers out there. Who knows what that is? So <laughs> uh, getting into some of the info about Starfield, uh, the game director themselves came out, talked about Starfield as, you know, they, they gave it all the praise in the world, talking about it was the most ambitious title to date, uh, saying that it's a huge epic uh, RPG that offers players the freedom. That's what I love to hear that 
ex that uh, lets you explore more than a thousand different planets, customize your ships and weapons, experience numerous stories, missions, and side quests. Now, if that's not reminiscent of reminiscent of Mass Effect, I don't know what it is. Obviously, these are the same people that may fall out in Skyrim. So you're probably like, why are you only contributing or attaching RPG elements to Mass Effect? It's because my favorite game of all time is Mass Effect. And I ain't really played, uh, I, I did play Skyrim, but as a kid, so I didn't know what's going on. And I've played Fallout. It wasn't really my cup of tea. And I've played, um, what's another one? There's other ones out there, like Cyberpunk, but that, that game came out buggy mess. Like I was gonna play that one, but it came out buggy mess. So I was like, so reviews like that, like if Starfield would have came out reviews with reviews like cyberpunk i would have been turned off because they was basically like it was basically broken like i remember playstation literally took it off the digital app store simply because of the fact that uh it was unplayable for for most people so with that being said let's get back into the um the playable <laughs> rpg which is uh starfield so the uh director the game director howard todd howard came out and said more about the game saying he believes that players will appreciate the wide range of choices in the game uh, even though they don't have to they don't have to explore all of them it impacts the appreciation of the story and experience which i definitely agree with um it's a long uh, a very long i've heard that star well, pause but uh, starfield is very long in general um and offers hundreds of hours of gameplay and what else this is the thing I wanted to get at. It's exclusive to Xbox and PC. So for my PC gamers out there, don't get mad. You, you can also play the game. Because I know PC gamers are going to be like, hey, I can play the game too. What you mean exclusive to Xbox? So basically, it's exclusive to Xbox uh, Xbox when it comes to consoles. But also it's available to PC players. And if you want to know the overview about the game, uh, it takes place in 2330. So if you need to know that information. And offers players... Uh, the role of a miner who discovers a mysterious artifact setting off a space adventure with over a thousand planets to explore. I don't know about y'all, but a thousand when it comes to planets is, is pretty exorbitant. So I was like, hey, I don't know if I got all that time. You know what I mean? Like I may just, I may just have to stick to the main missions. They did say though, that the main story missions of Starfield takes approximately 17 hours to complete. So that reminds me again of Mass Effect because say what you want about Mass Effect, but it really respects your time. You can get through the whole trilogy of Mass Effect spending 20 plus hours on each game, which is not a lot when you're talking about game one, game two, game three. If you're talking about entire trilogy, 20 plus hours on each game is not a lot to 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 ask, you know. Um, so with that being said. I love how the main story is not long, but you can make it long with the side quest. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, Starfield also has a limited edition Xbox wireless controller, similar to what Spider-Man 2 has, which, you know, me being a huge Spider-Man fan myself, I, I had to buy that controller. I didn't buy the plates because I'm waiting for the PS5 Slim to come out, and I don't know if the plates will fit with that. So I ended up just buying the, the, the Spider-Man 2 uh, customized controller. But yeah, so for my Xbox players out there, Starfield definitely has um, a Starfield branded uh, limited edition Xbox wireless controller and wireless headset, as well as console wraps 
in the theme of the game so if you want to uh indulge in all of that um i do feel like it's it's very strategic to put this out around the same time that spider-man 2 is about to come out in october some like 20 something i think it's october 20th but basically i think xbox did this for a reason because you know playstation every time they put out their exclusive everybody just downs xbox players and be like hey, another another game xbox players can't play but now for once xbox finally as a game on their hands that a lot of people and i mean a lot of people are are, are ready to indulge in and is exclusive to xbox so it's like one of those things where xbox players finally have a dub on their hands and i think they've realized it they've they've acknowledged it and they're like we finally have a game exclusive to us that playstation players don't have that could be considered for game of the year so with that being said click my link here in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about starfield in general are you an xbox player if you've played it what is your favorite aspect of the game and with that being said, for my PlayStation players, does this make you want to go out and buy an Xbox or no? Now, before we get into the specific account, right? Just know that GTA 6 has came with a plethora of leaks and information that you can find on the internet. Obviously, I won't put that up here because I don't want to take too interactive to try to hawk me down because at the end of the day, I've seen what they did to some of these other hackers. I was like, dang, jail time. That's a little serious, ain't it? But obviously not the rock stars. They taking this uh, GTA 6 information pretty seriously. But um, apparently an audio link uh, leaked. And I, wanted, I want y'all I want y'all to take this with a grain of salt. Because, you know, with the evolution of AI, <laughs> you never know. But we're going to get to a plethora of, of information that's been leaked and a variety of information that's from this account gta 6 trailer countdown right but first i'm gonna get into the information that i've seen i've researched so apparently allegedly take two ceo strauss zelnick i think that's how you say it talked about plans for gta 6 i don't know where it came from i don't know if it was an earnings call because you know nowadays that's how most stuff gets leaked but basically the audio came about suggesting that gta 6 will be released october 23rd that's not it october 23rd uh 2024 so this is a of course i would just say like i'm gonna read off the alleged leaks right and i'm gonna give my personal opinion i believe that gta 6 will not come out next uh next year i think they take a year from initial i guess that'll make sense because they take a year from an initial launch trailer to actual release so if they do release a launch trailer like sometime next month i could see it coming out in that same month 2024 and if y'all don't know the reason why a lot of games come out between the september october november stretch period is because of christmas season when it's christmas season and little timmy wants a, a game for his uh birth for his christmas present why is alexa talking to me i don't even think i said alexa that's crazy anyways um i'm not cutting that out either <laughs> so what was i saying oh yeah so when little timmy wants a christmas present right and his mom goes to the store and is like hey can i get the what's the what's the game that people are playing nowadays 
that's that's really why they they put it on that time span because they'd be like oh everybody's playing this game now everybody's playing this game because a lot a lot more people pay for certain entertainment um when the christmas season comes around so that christmas season is like i mean there's a reason why black friday exists like that's when a lot of consumers go out to buy stuff so it would make it would make sense to put out your game along with your prime time marketing uh promotion for that period of time because that's when people have the most expendable income if that makes sense obviously you know i could be making it up but you know that's why that's why all these famous games or all these big time games comes out around the christmas era because you know they got to get they uh got to keep little timmy happy so like i said gta 6 is set to be announced uh next month i guess and set to be released in october 2024 interesting but of course it's leaks take it with a grain of uh, assault and uh they haven't re released much about the game i do know that it's going to be a bonnie and clyde type storyline so we're going to have a, a, a latina as a, a woman protagonist well antagonist i don't know but gta main characters are both good and bad i don't know nowadays but anyways it's gonna be a bonnie and clyde type storyline for gta 6 that's what's been confirmed by leakers and um what else Despite the uncertainty, the su suggested release date does align with a lot of stuff with uh, Take-Two's uh, fiscal year of 2025. You know, they have to write down certain stuff for like stock investors, stockholders or whatever. So that's why I'm saying the earnings call, a lot of things leak because they have to announce things to people who like have invested like ten dollars and they gotta let them know like what they what they plan to do for the company. I don't know. That's that's how it leaks nowadays. Uh, if, if you was wondering how people... Uh, get into those calls so um because i believe rockstar or take two is a publicly traded company but anyways um what was i saying so yeah a lot of people are excited and now let's get into gta 6 trailer countdown so really we're not gonna spend too much time on this because it's just basically leaks so take this with a grain of salt but this is the timeline right so gta 6 uh trailer countdown we shout out to this account put out this timeline right here it basically talked about the timeline from launch trailer to actually releasing and uh he put out the release, the reveal trailer for GTA 5 and showed out the launch. Well, it came out in 2013. The re reveal trailer for uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 in, tw in 2016. And it came out in 2018. And the reveal trailer for uh, GTA 6, and this is like the alleged part, in 2023. And in 2025, sometime it can come out. So people saying that uh, 2024 release date is out the window some leakers are saying it is a window it's just gonna be late 2024 personally i would say that if you're following this timeline that he's showing right here um it will still come out in 2024 because i i do believe that they um take a whole entire year to promote the game after the initial reveal trailer so i know this is showing like 2011 2013 but this could be like december 2011 and like february in january 2013 like i if I look it up, I believe it's a year. If I look at the actual date, hopefully that makes sense. Like, I know you see two years in between 2011 and 2013, but it could be like December 2011 and January 2013. Like, obviously, it's still more than a year, but I think for the most part, that's the amount of time they take to promote from reveal launch trailer to uh, a <clears throat> actual launching the game. So they talk about how it's rumored to feature a theme park parody of Disney World and Orlando uh, orlando my fault i can't read <laughs> orlando florida uh called fairyland oh that's interesting um obviously 
alleged but you know people been asking me for this gta news so i'm like bro it ain't no news but they was like nah look at these leaks i'm like okay well here we are so <laughs> look at my um follow my analytic dreams video podcast on spotify to see the video elements along with the audio because i'm pulling it up as we speak so this is what they're talking about the map will look like and in general um a theme park parody of disney world would be fire i mean it'll be a, a a huge humongous step up from the um the theme park they have in uh gta 5 with the ferris wheel and that whole location like if you have an actual theme park parody of disney world obviously i don't think they can captivate everything that disney world has because that's a whole never that's a whole nother level i ain't gonna lie i don't know they're trying to spend that much time on that so anyways uh so fairyland is supposed to be in gta 6 which is based the you know parody of disney world uh, as you can see information right here uh, based on the game being set in Florida uh, similar theme parks like Funland and LC and, and Pleasure Pier okay so that's basically what I just said so GTA 5 theme park compared to the GTA 6 theme park is going to be a little different um, based off uh, the inspirations Fun World and Vice City can be seen which is a direct reference to Disney World uh, what else talking about the gta 6 and that was another thing see this is 70 this is 90 and this is 200 right a lot of people was like hey gta 6 is gonna launch at like 150 mm, ain't no way i'm like 150 dollars to launch at i'm like that's that's insane like obviously they can have packs like this like the deluxe edition and then the premium edition or the collections edition but they're not gonna have the regular um what's this called the regular standard edition be 150 dollars because i did see this rumor this rumor right here that it's supposed to cost 150 like no that's, that's not gonna happen i don't care if kotaku and who else report on this according to recent reports yeah nah it's it's not the standard edition is not gonna be 150 dollars i don't care how big gta 6 is i feel like in general rockstar especially with, with uh, red dead redemption 2 being a uh a chink in the armor seeing that they're not perfect with putting out these rpg games i don't think they could release the standard edition at 150 i don't even know if that's legal but i don't know back in the day they did have video game prices all over the place so you never know what else so yeah, that's basically it so yeah that's all the information that i have the leak the leaked information so take it with a grain of salt for um gta 6 and of course at the end of the day these are not confirmed it's just oh this is the so this is what is confirmed this person to the right th these are two actual characters from gta 6 like i said it's a bonnie and clyde type storyline so this is the actual like if you haven't seen the leaked gameplay which i'm definitely not putting up on here but it's leaked gameplay of gta 6 with the latina and then him and the like in uh as playable characters so that that's basically confirmed like that's that's like 100 percent confirmed they're gonna go with a bonnie and clyde type storyline for gta 6 so at the end of the day man when you look at gta 6 there's a lot of stuff coming out about it because a lot of people are excited and a lot of people are excited because gta 5 literally lasted from 2011 to 2023 and people still playing that game online so um yeah that should tell you the type of uh, hype that's gonna be built up for for gta 6 i mean off of the gta 5 success itself gta 6 is gonna sell well now 
if GTA 6 is good or bad, that's going to determine how long the lifespan of that particular game is going to have. So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know one of my social medias. What do you think about GTA 6 and its rumored release date to be early 2024 or, or no, no, late 2024 or early 2025? And do you feel like gta 6 could end up being better than gta 5. one day i pray that my brothers and sisters will be freed from the shackles of nba 2k simply because the tactics used to squeeze every dollar out of us is egregious straight up blasphemy to quote my man Stephen a as we are talking about basketball so nba 2k24 is back once again and boy are they back they decided to not only highlight crossplay for a reason i might add but but also <clears throat> they came through and they said they improved a lot of things right only for reports to come out that NBA 2K in the VC era is only going to get more expensive. So if, if you thought spending 40 to $80 on one my player was a lot, then I would get ready to only spend money on NBA 2K like it's a car note because this game is coming out with a season pass that's basically what i wanted to get around to nba 2k 24 is coming out with a season pass now why is that a big deal because it costs 80 dollars i believe is it 80 dollars at this point or is it 60 no no 70 dollars because it's a it's a new gen game to purchase next gen games and the reason I even have to say that is problematic because technically Xbox and the Xbox X and the PlayStation 4 came out more than a decade ago, I believe. So technically it's a retro console and the 2K is still promoting that platform as current gen. So that should already let you know the type of... Uh, Wizard, wizardry wizardry they're trying to pull over your eyes right ps5 and xbox series x are current gen xbox x and playstation 4 is retro consoles getting back into nba 2k24 speaking of consoles nba 2k24 will require 110 gigabytes of free space on on pc but also it will require, if I can find it, let me see if I can find this. That's a PC version. They say it's not known how big the file size would be for console, but it has been speculated. So there's speculation that the size of the game will be 106, 106, I can't talk, what? <laughs> 160 gigabytes on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X in around 104 gigabytes for the previous generation consoles I'm, I'm glad that this article says previous gen because current gen is just not it and it's not 
correct <laughs> so anyways that's information to be taken should be taken with a grain of salt because 160 gigabytes i don't think it's too exorbitant but it is a lot um a recent report i just got because i was just sent this by a friend um is that 2k is supposed to be at 265 gigabytes goodness so a recent report that was sent to me i don't have any i can't like um stamp it but it's, it's been sent to me that's going to be 256 gigabytes as far as um on console so i don't really keep up with 2k that much simply because if there's games that i want to play which is like mortal kombat uh one spider-man two i'm not going to play a basketball simulator because i can get around to it but for last year i did play 2k 23 and i will say that game was pretty solid and i enjoyed the city i like doing the different side missions and stuff but i think it's because i cover hip-hop i enjoyed it because it was missions with j cole and his artist boss but a lot of people killed that even though we got an unreleased still to this day an unreleased j cole verse on 2k 23 people still killed it for having to be in the studio to progress the main story so i was like dang hey 2k can't do no uh no wrong or no good like they just out here <laughs> they just out here getting scrutinized with each and every way you, you they turn because i feel like the community for 2k is very interesting because they complain about one thing one thing simply to have us uh the demigod build come back so like the demigod build was something that came in like 2015 2016 and basically it broke the game like it was only one build that was good right and since then to this day I mean, Deontay Wilder couldn't even say any better. Like, to this day, I'm telling you that they're still trying to make the Demigod build. So I feel like the critiques and the, the advice they're giving to the 2K gen or the 2K developers is only to get back to that Demigod phase of 2K. And I feel like that really hurts the overall portion of the game because some of the things that these 2K content creators are, are complaining about, you would think that it would help the game, but... I don't pay too much attention to the 2K community to be able to say it's not going to help the game, but it seems like some of the uh, critiques from the stamina critiques, the, um, there's something else. I forget what they were saying. Oh, be, there'll be less stuff, less stuff in the city. First, they wanted the city. Now they don't want the city. They like, oh, I just want to hoop. But then back in the day when 2K was all about just going to the park and hooping, that was like, oh, we should have this and that and be able to shop here, shop there. And now they give that to us. And the 2K community is like, bro, when are we going to get back to hooping? I'm like, they can't make up their mind. So I'm like, at this point, I don't understand. So anyways, of course, the game features Kobe Bean Bryant as the cover for the game because it's 2K24. You know, uh, 2K23, of course, had MJ on the cover. Um, some of the game, uh, some of the player models are already out, as you see on my screen here. Uh, if you follow my analytic dreams, uh, video podcast channel on spotify for the video element but basically you see some of the models right here you have steph lebron they usually get them down pretty pretty nicely uh jason um joel speaking of jason jason may be the best player right now under 25 and i'm not just saying that like he really has been to like a, a, fi a M nba finals he, I feel like he could have been the more if he didn't run into 2018 LeBron. Y'all have to realize, I feel like Jason Tatum ran into the best version of LeBron when that man basically went on five and, and took out the Celtics to go to the finals. And I think when he went to the finals, he got swept by KD and the Warriors. But, you know, it was it was pretty, uh, it was a nice little feat that he pulled out. So anyways, um, what was I saying? 
So yeah, the gigabytes, the oh, so the soundtrack. That's what I had up this whole time. So, so the game soundtrack marks the 25th anniversary for NBA 2K series and the 50th anniversary of hip hop, featuring over 50 artists at launch and new songs added regularly, which is what they did with NBA 2K23. They had a bunch of new songs uh, rotated in and out, and also uh, 2K's 24 My Team mode includes changes such as introduction of My Team points uh, earned by playing any mode, cross-play between PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X players, which is the biggest thing that they're um, highlighting because cross-play for 2K is pretty serious. Like, honestly, Having crossplay for a game like 2K, you would think we would have been had it, but now that the way that they've been um, toting this this season pass, I think that's why the the reason they came with crossplay. Because for those who don't know, season pass is only show, season pass should only be acceptable to gamers by gamers if the game is free to play. Now I know a lot of people are like, no, there's been season pass and Call of Duty and stuff of, and things of that nature, but season pass did not get popular to this point until fortnite came out fortnite was a free-to-play um apex was a free-to-play apex legends um i think overwatch 2 came out for free if i'm not mistaken maybe i'm mistaken on that anyways all the free-to-play models blew up the the impact of season pass simply because the game is free now you put out a game like this it's already 70 dollars at launch what are you paying for paying for quick play and to play online or are you just paying to pay even more money for when you hop on my my player and my team so at this point you know it's pretty interesting the way they uh slid season passes and like nobody would notice so anyways cross play is the biggest thing that they're promoting right now and also for my 2k hoopers and gamers out there the game is set to be released um september 8th 2023 so that's soon. That is soon. That's crazy. I don't know why I thought it was later. But anyways. Well, I guess it makes sense because I'm not going to buy the game. So I'm waiting for more to combat. But at the end of the day, I am a hooper in real life. So I may end up getting 2K whenever it um, goes down on price. Because Lord knows that that extra money you save on, on a discounted 2K is definitely going to go into my player. So anyways, uh, click my link here in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about NBA 2K24, the rumored gigabyte update, and also the season pass for the game? What do you think about that? And also, last question, of course. Do you think crossplay between PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X is, or does crossplay between PlayStation, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X? disregard the fact that there's now a season pass in nba 2k 24. make sure to follow and subscribe to analytic dreams video podcast for the video element along with this audio because i'm about to play the gameplay reveal trailer for modern warfare 3. Working with 
all right we're gonna pause it right there because we definitely not getting a, a dmca strike so anyways um i have a question there's a specific mission that has been making the rounds because people think that call of duty is gonna remaster this mission for from the 2009 game right but they've been promoting modern warfare 3 but this upcoming mission is from modern warfare 2 so excuse me for my ignorance but i am beyond confused because apparently <clears throat> this upcoming game will not include the no russian no no russian mission from the 2009 game and if you want to know why just know it's one of the most egregious missions ever implemented into a video game and think about all the crazy video games that's been created it's top two and not two when it comes to the most offensive mission as it was very controversial not back in that today's age it wouldn't even call of duty may have got canceled that may have been the first time we actually seen something get canceled as big as call of duty back in 2009 i'm not saying they didn't care but it wasn't as serious right but to describe it for you no russian was a mission in modern warfare 2 requiring players to participate in a mass shooting at an airport in moscow that's why i say that's one of the most offensive missions ever created in a video game right the game director of infinity ward and the developer behind the mission stated that they are deliberate about what content they include and that if something edgy serves the story that they may include it but somebody else spoke up kind of countering that point by saying that the game does match the intensity of no russian in terms of what they are trying to achieve but it will not include a mission similar to the controversial no russian mission now what does that mean i have no idea i ain't gonna lie we just got to see it to believe it because at this point so many conflicting reports developers coming out saying this developers coming out saying that i mean the game is set to release uh, october 28th 2022 for all the platforms uh current gen and last gen but they did say there is no mission like like no russian in the game and that the team did not actively avoid such a mission but only included content that serve the story so we're gonna have to see what that means because i feel like they're just talking in circles and giving us pr statements at this point because even looking up this uh, sec uh topic i was confused i was like wait they put on modern warfare 3 modern warfare 2's campaign is gonna mission is gonna be in it i was like i don't even, i don't play call of duty enough to even fathom what they're trying to uh, get across to me so at the end of the day they do say that no russian will ultimately not be bar for bar to quote a uh, soldier boy in this upcoming remaster but it will have elements of the story to serve the overall purpose of the main mission so anyways uh, at the end of the day that's all i have for it It really wasn't anything too deep i just know a lot of people uh was wondering if this mission was going to be included in the modern day and age and let's just say it seems like infinity ward has chose to go in an uh, alternative like direction so anyways click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about the no russian mission in general for modern warfare 2 do you even think is that serious and if you don't why do you believe is the biggest reason they should include it in the upcoming 
game that's set to be released October 28th, 2022. At the end of the day, these two artists have created success by giving off an authentic image, right? But Sexy Red versus Glorilla is a very interesting topic because in general, I really can't tell who's bigger than who. And the only reason I'm comparing these two specific artists is because if you don't know, Glorilla is signed to CMG slash Interscope Records, which CMG is owned by Yo Gotti, but Interscope is a major label in itself, right? Then we get into Sexy Red. She has a single out titled, I Love Freaks. That's literally, that's literally what it's called. I, I kid you not. It's, it's, it's what it's called. And, <laughs> and it, she's under New 11 Records, which seems to be independent. I don't know who New 11 Records is. Let me see. New 11 Records. I don't even know who that is. Like It seems like it's an independent. New 11 Records. That's the first time I've ever seen that. But basically, the reason why I want to compare these two artists is because I feel like there's a significant push in showcasing Sexy Red, but there's not as much highlight on Glorilla nowadays. I don't know if it's a changing of the guards or if somebody powerful is stepping in saying that we're co-signing this artist compared to co-signing another artist. Because if you don't know, Glorilla basically put out an album, right? She put out an album and it was titled Anyways, Life's Great. And this album performed so horribly that they put this under EP. Now, I want y'all to look up the difference. Let's do it together. The difference between an EP and album, right? Because Anyways, Life is Great by Glorilla is 38 minutes and 9 seconds. And the reason why I'm pointing out the runtime between that album is because the RIAA sets a criteria for music. And usually EPs are typically easier to get uh, certifications as far as gold, platinum, and diamond when it's considered an EP versus when it's considered an actual album. Like you need like 500,000 to be certified gold for an album, but then for an EP, you need like 50,000. So it's like, it's like a little different, right? And the reason is because EPs are typically only eligible for gold certification if um, they are shorter, well, because they are shorter than albums. So EP or albums consistently have 10 or more tracks while EP, usually has four to six tracks now i want y'all to go to glorilla's project which is anyways life is great and, and count the number of tracks and you can already tell it's more than six right but the biggest thing i want to get to uh with that is that there's also the runtime And I'm getting, I'm getting to uh, a point with this. This is why I'm bringing up Glorilla first. But the certification for for EP, as far as runtime, they're typically under 30 minutes in length, while albums are typically over 30 minutes in length. So I want you to go to, let's go back again to Glorilla's Anyways, Life is Great, 38 minutes. So technically, 
it's an album if you look at the certification from um riaa but of course nowadays the famous phrase is don't hate the player hate the game somehow her team was able to change it from an album to an ep because when she first put this out it was definitely being promoted as an album but when reports like this started to come out which if you turn with me to uh, analytic dreams on my spotify channel you can see the video elements along with the audio basically glorilla ended up selling 28,000 first week which is not something to to scoff at because that's a pretty nice number right but when considering her being on the rise and can and people in her her peer group like ice spice and other people not really selling way more than her as far as twenty eight thousand, it makes me wonder why nowadays they're trying to hide this quote-unquote flop which i don't think is a flop i think they're just trying them trying to hide it changing it from album to ep talking about um like it's not even if you go to a dsp it's literally just under singles like it's not album like they're trying to act like she doesn't have an album out so it makes it even worse that they're hiding it on ds well specifically spotify to hide i don't know about apple but sp specifically spotify they're trying to hide it and they're coming out talking about how um now there's so much publicity on sexy red as she's made her first ever appearance on us spotify charts at number 184 if that's news then we really have to start having a hard look at some of these other musicians that the people are saying quote unquote is falling off if this is what a rising star looks like then i feel like coil ray is a superstar if we're going by these numbers because the reason why i want to compare coil ray oh no glorilla to um sexy red is because people act like both of these artists can't flourish in their own right like they have to be um like one has to be trumping the other so i've seen a really important push for sexy red's music and on the other hand people have been acting like glorilla has been falling off so i just wanted to point that out which is why i'm gonna put glorilla versus sexy red to have that salacious title but at the end of the day i want both of these artists to to uh succeed but we have to point out how not even this so those two things that was showing like if you don't think those correlate sexy red has a well whiskey is um currently running not charts but it's it's charting well for her but if you look at the numbers glorilla who has 3.7 monthly listeners and now somehow sexy red has 5.7 million monthly listeners and you look at her biggest track with ski Yee, is at 17 million streams currently and you look at uh glorilla with tomorrow too with cardi b that's 119 million streams obviously you can go down the plethora of tracks between the two but there's not a significant difference between the two uh streams wise and i feel like they're on the same level but a lot of people acting like glorilla is falling off and sexy red is flourishing so the way that i'm i'm structuring it for you is just so you know that these two particular artists are around the same level but the perception is what happens to put these artists at two different pedestals they put sexy red as one of the hottest artists in the game while people are saying glorilla is falling off so that's another thing i want to point out also i found out what sexy red was under she is under uh an independent record label from 
New York City, and it was founded by music industry veteran Michael God Goldweiser. Goldweiser, I don't know, I said it. Um, and you know, the discover, develop talent, you know, the whole nine yards. But basically, um, it's, it's basically an independent label. So, Glorillas, Glorillas on the Endoscope. Sexy Red is under New Eleven Records, but at the end of the day, the perception, even though they're performing similarly, similarly, I can't say it. <laughs> even though, even though they're performing around the same level, everybody's like one is falling off and one isn't. So I just wanted to point out uh, that fact so y'all aren't like um tricked into believing that Glorilla's falling off. I don't think she's falling off at all. If she's falling off, then a bunch of a lot of these other artists or musicians is actually falling off because. Well, except for Ice Spice. Ice Spice is actually selling out here with like legit EPs with like four or five tracks. So um, yeah, I don't know why um Glorilla's label is is feeding into the hype of her falling off by changing her album into an EP and things of that nature. Because even though Sexy Red is on the rise, I do believe that Glorilla can still catch one and, and get right back into that discussion of being one of the hottest artists out. But yeah, that, that's what I really wanted to touch on because I think a lot of people are underestimating the power of social media when it comes to uh, publicizing these streams. Like 184, obviously, that's an accomplishment, right? But people are acting like this track is like top 10 on Billboard charts. Like people are acting like, oh, this is like running a, running a country when it honestly isn't. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those tracks that's doing well, obviously, compared to most artists. But for it to be... Uh, promoted like it's just a a top five hit i think it's a little um a burner boy-esque and why i say that is because people put burner boy on the level of perception that when his album sales for the united states came out to be twenty one thousand first week people are now looking at him as like are you flopping like i thought you supposed to be this big artist from overseas and you're only selling twenty one thousand when they don't know how the music industry works and how the sales co-align with uh some of the major labels uh agenda so i think sexy red is obviously performing well but so is glorilla and the perceptions is just something i wanted to uh touch on in this subject to let people know that it's it's a lot more going on it's a lot that's uh beneath the surface that a lot of fans don't know so i just want to point that out and hopefully i did a good job on, on laying out why certain perceptions are now starting to uh game more more noise in general so anyways uh click my link to my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about the whole glorilla versus uh sexy red and the perception altered by media and what is your feeling on how media goes about promoting and championing other artists and downgrading certain and downgrading other artists when they're both performing around the same level so this is a portion of the episode where we're going to get into some very powerful people and by powerful i mean to make justin bieber ariana grande taylor swift demi lovato i think jay balvin who else and more part ways with you then you had a hand and a lot that went on with the music industry so when that happens a lot of people want to dive into why are they parting ways right and one of the biggest person well one of the biggest musicians besides taylor swift of course to make waves from parting ways with scooter Braun has been 
Justin Bieber, who has officially hired a lawyer to explore the possibility of getting out of his contract with his longtime manager, Scooter Braun. Now, of course, just like James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers, Justin Bieber still has years remaining in his contract that he has to honor. And that's not set to end till 2027. At least James Harden only got a year or two. Justin Bieber's in uh is under Scooter Braun for the long haul. So that's why he hiring a lawyer. But at the end of the day, obviously he ain't the only one. So I'm thinking something had to happen because if Ariana Grande, J James Baldwin, Demi Lovato all are coming out around the same time to, to put out reports that they have reportedly parted ways for Scooter, uh, Scooter Braun. It's very interesting because if you don't know about Scooter Braun, he's one of the biggest figures in the music industry as far as managing and being behind the scenes and promoting these artists that's not that's not something that a lot of people strive to be in life right they see the fancy cars the chains the the being in the spotlight they try to get millions of dollars by performing on stage they don't want to be the guy behind them getting millions millions of dollars to promote them as well as promoting five to six other artists so the time that you have to take being on the stage this man could be out here managing artist a artist b artist c and keep going down and getting splits from all of them that's always been something i've been um very keen towards because that type of revenue from behind the scenes is something that i like strive for because being in front of the cameras isn't all what is made out to be when you find out there's people like Scooter Braun, there's people like a Rich Paul, there's a peop uh there's people like I forget um the person behind the scenes for Stephen A. But basically the powerful people behind the scenes making stuff happen. The the uh person that's not in front of the camera but still making way more money than the person that is behind the ca in front of the camera, you know? So anyways, that's besides the point. The reason why I'm saying this is because it's just to let you know, Scooter Braun plays a, a very, a very, 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 very <laughs> important role in the music industry. And because of his shifted focus towards growing Hybe, which is the company that uh, he has, well, no, it's uh, growing Hybe, the company that acquired his company, which is uh, Ithaca Holdings, his role in Hybe. America's uh, CEO, which may be a factor in why a lot of people are leaving uh, his um, management or his mentorship, because, of course, he may have something else that he's focusing on. So now they're like, well, let me get under the deal. Let me get under you as far as management if you're going to be focused on Hive, right? So now people want to leave. But Bieber is the one who's making the biggest news because he's the biggest artist, right? So his recent moves, as far as the ones that's been reported on, is firing his agency CAA and hiring a new music lawyer David Landy and the situation of course it's kind of complex because Bieber has a lot more years to go for his contract um under Scooter Braun so it's not like he can just up and leave without any type of negotiation so artists in general often negotiate new deals with their managers involving lump sum of payments commissions on future earnings and sunset clauses so Bieber's situation is further complicated, of course, by the contractual uh, years, uh, con contractual obligations 
with his uh record labels and promoters but despite that justin bieber still is going to be somebody that even in 2029 music labels are going to be lining up in droves to sign right so with Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, and all these other artists and musicians leaving Scooter Braun projects, Scooter Braun's man management company have came out and refuted these claims. Remember, these claims don't just come out of thin air, right? These are pretty serious uh, claims as far as wanting new management. I mean, usually when you want new management, you have to go on a little uh, marketing uh, ploy to get somebody who who's on the status that you would like to market you, right? You can't just be like, I mean, I guess you could do it behind the scenes, but it'll be easier and faster to put it out on the internet. So these reports aren't just coming from anywhere. So when Scooter Braun's management company comes out and refutes them, it's very interesting because they said negotiations are ongoing to adapt to Braun's evolving role. So it seems like Scooter Braun wants to focus on Hive. All these other artists are like, hey, that means you're not going to be able to focus on us. So I want out of the deal. Obviously, you can't just let somebody out of the deal that has contractual obligations to 2029. So now they're in a rock and a hard place for, for lack of a better phrase, you know? Scooter Braun previously made headlines for the acquisition of Taylor Swift's master recordings and her subsequent decision to re-record her albums and that has been the controversy between Scooter Braun for the most part, because Taylor Swift bought her masters back and now she's re-recording her music simply because she's now making money off of whatever she records from now on. Like, I don't know when that deal started, like maybe last year or the two years ago, but anyways, from then to whenever she sells her masters she makes money from whatever she records so she's re-recording all her old stuff and her fans are acting like this is brand new and they're just supporting it um like it like it just came out which is just a testament to the swifties out there as being one of the biggest and and best fan base in music history so anyways uh back to scooter Braun. so obviously scooter Braun found himself on taylor swift's bad side and her fans bad side by uh taking her math well not taking buying her masters and um with that that's why he's had controversy in the past because of that because you, you go against the swifties you got to be a powerful person that's why i started off by saying scooter brown's one of them like if you want to if you want to study somebody in, in this uh, entertainment field as far as how to move throughout the industry and also make waves in a way that you don't have to be in front of the camera 24 7 but still make maybe even more than the person that you're managing in front of the camera scooter Braun is one of those type of guys obviously um there's other people you can focus on but there's a reason why you hear scooter Braun in uh rap lyrics often <laughs> so anyways um that's basically it um yeah that's basically it so yeah click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about the whole scooter braun situation seems like it's scooter braun versus the music industry what do you think about the group of um justin bieber ariana grande demi lovato uh jay balvin all of them wanting to leave scooter braun's management and also what do you think about the past headlines that he made from act from acquiring taylor swift's masters Getting into the overview of the pod for episode 128. Of course, we started with DreamCon. You know, we got to support black businesses out here. And uh, 
RDC World is one of my biggest inspirations for me creating content. And that's why in general, I wanted to start the episode. I wanted to start the episode off by covering DreamCon 2025. And even though DreamCon 2024 is going to happen soon, I still had to talk about that as, you know, there's a lot of uh, developments happening from where from where they host DreamCon and how renovations and upgrades are happening to where DreamCon is going to have to eventually move in the year 2025 through 2029. So I wanted to cover that for all the people who uh, are wanting to attend DreamCon in, in the future. Then we transitioned into Burner Boy and his first week sales. I basically talked about how in the past I've highlighted how Burner Boy is being put on a pedestal that I feel like is not uh, deserved just yet in the United States because when it comes to overseas artists, streams um, are a little different when you get to the States. So 21,000 first week, I think for the average fan, that's that's un, uh, unbeknowing, uh, unbeknownst, I forget what you said, unbeknowing to them, I think that's how you say it, I don't know. Um, they may just think Burner Boy is flopping with action in all actuality. Streams in the States aren't the same as streams overseas. So Burner Boy is still as big as we think he is. Pause. But as far as in the States, specifically, he's not really at that level of first week sales just yet. Anyways, uh, then we transition into Drake's just impactful. <laughs> I mean, impactful. I for talent like the way that he's had longevity in the hip-hop and just the music field i feel like it's because of his ability to look at certain musicians and know when to give him that cosign and also it helps out his brand because it makes him look more um uh, in touch than he may actually be but it seems at this point with his longevity drake knows what he's doing by cosigning some of these artists and even this year i mean he has a pretty nice track record with uh being one of the first ones to cosign ice spice to be one of the first ones to co-sign Chino uh, Pockets, which is a Latin musician singer. So at this point in time, there's a reason why the boy, uh, I keep calling him the GOAT of hip hop, is because of stuff like this, man. He's he just been more tapped in than any hip hop artist I think we've ever seen. Anyways, then we transition into Taylor Swift and her sales. I basically talked about how Taylor Swift may be top two or not two, when it comes to being the most impactful musician of all time. I feel like her fan base, the streams that she makes, obviously she plays games with the with the vinyls and stuff, but it's hard to call it playing games when your fans are actually going out and buying those vinyls. So even though you are putting out just album in different colors, your fans are buying it. So being one of the more impactful artists of all time, I feel like it's definitely a conversation that we have to have regarding Taylor Swift. Then we switched it up and got into the gaming portion of the episode. Of course, starting starting off with a little business as writers and, sh and uh, actors are still striking. But in this in this uh, this time, they're including the video game company. So yes, for all my gamers out there, the strike may be transitioning into acquiring more video game people to strike with them. So your favorite video game may get delayed going into the near future. Then we got to PlayStation Plus and how they just don't care about how we're in a recession. Basically, up the prices on all the PlayStation subscription tiers told us that, hey, if you have trouble uh, affording this, then oh well, because <laughs> they do not care. They uh, they upgraded uh, or increased the cost for all the PlayStation subscription tiers. And at the end of the day, that's just that's just egregious. Like I know PlayStation 
PS5 is by far outselling the Xbox Series X, but you ain't had to do it like this. This is ridiculous. So then we got to the main topic of the episode 128, which is Starfield and made a lot of comparisons to mass effect which i feel like is justified in itself because at the end of the day starfield has a lot of things happening throughout the game that i feel like is reminiscent of when i played mass effect i feel like the best games in history are the ones that gives you tools to push your imagination to the farthest it's, it's ever been before if that makes sense like getting a game to where it doesn't limit you but only um, accelerates the the rate that you're out here creating is just insane. And I feel like Starfield and its RPG format and its ability to have over a thousand planets just showcase the way that a, a particularly well-crafted sandbox can be made for people who just want to play a game and have it feel like it's tailor-made for them and the way that starfield customizes everything as far as the the player the the ship even the landscape the the planet is like it's is really bringing me uh mass effect vibes all over again but you know i would never know until i play it and it's exclusive for xbox which is another um tidbit i got into which i am upset because you know i am a playstation 5 owner and even though starfield is a game i do want to play i am not buying a whole console for one game but at the end of the day starfield might indeed be the modern day mass effect then we transitioned into, into GTA 6 leaks and rumors, got into a lot of leak news that may or may not be true. But one thing is true is that GTA 6 is coming because all these news, uh, all this news is not coming for no reason. GTA 6 is coming soon. I believe uh, 20, late 2024 or early 2025, I would say GTA 6 will be released. But hey, only the future will be able to reveal when GTA 6 actually comes out. Then we got into uh, a little basketball with NBA 2K24. I kind of talked about how my brothers and sisters are still under the shackles of NBA 2K24 simply because it's the only basketball simulation we have. But to its credit, I did enjoy 2K23 my career. But the reason I say shackles is because the implementation of a season pass, the increase, the inflation of VC for no reason other than just... Uh, to, to pull more money from his uh consumers very dirty marketing tactics that 2k has been using as far as uh, garnering more money from his fan base his player base so i just i had to point that out and i would never ever be the type to uh not point out the predatory tactics when it comes to vc and season pass just because i enjoy playing basketball so anyways that was my coverage of nba 2k24 and then we got into call of duty right after that you know back-to-back -back games that covers most of the general uh gamers which you know it's nothing wrong with it you know some people just like to shoot it out and ball it out you know what I mean? <laughs> so anyways we got to call of duty and how uh modern warfare 2 with the no russian mission will be added but 
it's going to be a little different from the original mission. So technically, they're like, oh, there's not going to be no Russian mission. But then they're like, hey, it's going to be a rendition of the no Russian mission without all that other extra stuff, which we know what the extra stuff was, if, you, if you've heard about no Russian. So anyways, then we got into um, Sexy Red versus Glorilla. I kind of talked about sales in general. I really wanted to get into how Sexy Red is being considered one of the more premium uh, premier acts in the game right as far as up and coming in hip-hop but then glorilla glorilla on the other hand because of her album not selling as well and her major label going in and basically changing on dsps the album from an ep to you can't even you can't even look at it as a project on spotify so it's very interesting the way that their reception to that album and the reaction to it has made people feel like Glorilla has fallen off. And I kind of just wanted to compare their monthly streams and just the streams in general. Because I still feel like Glorilla is one of the more prominent artists in the game. But because of Sexy Red, I feel like people are uplifting one to down the other. And that's why I wanted to pinpoint and shine a light on both of them to show that both flourishing is just the, the media propaganda that's being pushed. And then we ended with some big boss talk with Scooter Braun versus the industry as I had a lot to say about that because I was very intrigued on why a bunch of these A-list artists was just with uh, Justin Bieber, Jay Balvin, Ariana Grande and Demi Lovato, which is up and leaving Scooter Braun. I was like, what in the world? What did they do that at? Like with years under the contract. So obviously they couldn't leave because, you know, they still have years. But for them talking about how they want to get under or out under his management, I wanted to get to the bottom of that. And hopefully I did that for y'all because in general, it did take a lot to look up because I was like, why are they leaving? And I kind of found out why. And so hopefully I told it to y'all in a way that was uh, simple and um, understandable, of course. And at the end of the day, you know, just trying to do my job on informing y'all about the latest updates in the music industry so that was about it for episode 128 of course thank you for tuning in to the notorious mass effect podcast and don't be afraid to send me an email letting me know what you think of the show and what you want me to talk about in the next episode click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and to keep up my latest activities if you want to support the show financially, click my Cash App link located towards the, the bottom of my link tree as it helps the show overall. Make sure to share this podcast and rate this five stars on whatever platform you are currently listening on as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Notorious Mass Effect. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.